We are going to start looking at a new book this morning. We're looking at the New Testament book of Titus, which is written by Paul to a guy named Titus. That's why the book is named Titus. And uh, basically, um, Titus is most likely a convert to Christianity um, through the ministry of Paul. And then he, he ended up traveling with Paul in order to share Jesus with more people and to start new churches and new places. And one of those places was the island of Crete. Um, Paul and Titus seemed to have gone to Crete together and started a church there and shared the gospel with the people there on Crete. And then Paul left Titus on Crete to continue the work of, of kind of strengthening, building up the church, stabilizing the church. And now this letter is written from Paul to Titus on Crete, basically giving him some final instructions saying, you know, kind of wrap things up because I don't want you to leave there. Um, and I want you to get the church to a place where it's is in, a, in a healthy a place as possible. So it, it's, it's a book that's useful for us if we want to know um, just some things about what makes a church healthy and, uh, and, and what things we should be focusing on as a church and as Christians. So uh, listen to God's word. I'm, I'm just going to read Titus 1, 1 to 4. This is just a greeting, basically, that Paul gives to Titus as he writes this letter to him. And we're really only going to focus on the first verse today. So listen to God's word as I read from Titus 1, 1 to 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now as we look at these verses, that you would uh, open our eyes to your truth, that you would make our hearts soft and receptive to what you want to say to us, that you would help us not to just kind of listen out of duty, um, but that you would help us to listen with eager hearts to, that, that we would be changed and challenged in the way that we're living. Um, so Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I had no idea if I was doing it right. No idea. I was just kind of every step I took, I was like, Am I, is this right? I don't know. I was filled with uncertainty. I, basically, it was my second year of going on uh, the mission trip to Appalachia. And I think it was my second year, but uh, I, I was on a team with Jack Kelly. He was the team leader of my team, and, and we were working at the same site with Ian Dodds and his team. And uh, we were wor working at this woman's home where we were doing some work to, uh, to repair her, her roof, I believe, and, and then also to build a, a ramp. For, to, to make it accessible to, to her home. And Jack and Ian knew exactly what they were doing. They knew everything that needed to be done and everything. So the first day we're there and they're like kind of talking about what we need to do and giving instructions. And, uh, and Jack, you know, looks at me and, and I guess because I'm an adult, assumed that I knew what I was doing and, uh, and just said, okay, we need, the, you know, these pieces of wood cut this way. Um, can you just get that done? And, and um, I was like, I don't want to disappoint Jack. So I'm like, okay. So I turned and I walked away, you know, and, and every step that I took, I'm like, 
Am I even walking in the right direction? I don't even know what I'm, you know? And so I, I went about kind of getting the different things that I needed to get. I got kind of the saw horses and I got the circular saw. Everything that I did, I was like, is this what I should be doing? And then I got my tape measure out. I'm like, am I even holding my tape measure right, you know? And, uh, and eventually I, I, I cut some pieces and uh, I, I know for a fact that I didn't do everything right because I cut through the top of the, uh, one of the saw horses. Sorry about that, Jack. Um, and, uh, you know, got it done, but the entire time I'm just like, I have no clue if I'm doing this right or not. Just constantly looking around, wondering if people are like, you know, that is even, you know, even the, the teenagers that are with us would be like, what is he doing? You know, I can't tell you how often I feel the same way about being a pastor. <laughs> um, am I focusing on the right things? Am I communicating the right way? Am I helping people? Am, am I giving, you know, my time to the right things. And this has been especially true of this last year during the, the pandemic and, and especially even now as we are starting to kind of do some more things that are getting back to normal. You know, are we, are, are we doing it right? Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decisions? Are we focusing on the right things? And, and I think that's also true of, of some of us as Christians, um, as we try to live the Christian life, as we try to live life as a Christian, a lot of times we look around at other people and we're like, am I doing this right? You know, um, I, maybe I'm not doing it the way they're doing it. Am I, am I doing this right? Or we look around at other churches and we're like, am I doing this right? Um, or maybe there was a time in your life when you were, became a Christian and you were like trying to figure out if you were doing things right or not. But no matter what, no matter where you are right now in your life, I think it's always good to kind of reassess what we're focusing on. If, if you call yourself a Christian, what is it that you should be giving your heart to, giving your, uh, your, your time to? What should you be focusing on to be as healthy as possible? As a church, what should we be focusing on to be as healthy as possible? In response to this, this question, are we doing this right? I want us to look this summer, or for the next couple months at least, at the book of Titus. And as I said, Paul wrote this letter to Titus to help him to see what he needed to accomplish in Crete before he left. So he was, he was planning on leaving Crete and he wanted to leave the church in a place where they were set up for success, where they would be doing things right, where they would be focusing on the right things. And at the very beginning of the letter, Paul greets Titus, and in his greeting, he reminds Titus of his credentials. You know, he's a servant of God. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jesus has chosen him to carry his message and to, and to help build up the church. And, uh, and so he, he reminds him of, of who he is, and then he, he talks about what is it, has been at the core of his entire ministry. You know, what is it that, that his entire ministry, what was the purpose of it all? What has he been trying to accomplish? What, what is he trying to help the church understand and focus on? And, and ultimately, as you read this, the first two verses at least, right? He says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with God, godliness. And the beginning of verse two says this, in hope of eternal life. That, that is the hope. That is the hope that, that people, that the people in Crete, every other person that they are ministering to, every other town they go to, that they would experience eternal life. That is the hope. That is the hope for us, that we would experience eternal life, a life that is supernatural, a life that is truly connected with the living God that is experiencing the presence of the living God and the power of the living God. That is the hope to experience this life and to live it out. And so what I want to do, you know, he's, if Paul says, this is the hope, 
as I think about the ministry, as I think about the, Crete, the church in Crete, um, that they would be experiencing eternal life. What are the facets that make up this life, that hold up this life, that produce this life? And I think he, he addresses that in the very first verse, okay? So that's what I, I think we as a church, we as Christians should be focusing on. These facets of eternal life, these things that produce and hold up the eternal life that God promises us. And so, so what is the first one that I want to address? The first is that, that this, this eternal life is a, is a life that requires faith. It's a life that requires faith. Paul says, he's, he's an apostle, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. That's the first thing that comes to mind. The first thing that Paul says is, is crucial here. The whole reason I've been sent by Jesus is to help people experience faith or take hold of faith or express faith. Now, faith is a word that I hear people use a lot. Um, and, and I got to be honest, a lot of times I hear people use the word faith and I'm like, I don't really know if that's what faith is when the Bible talks about faith. Kind of some people talk about faith in this sense that, you know, I just, it's kind of the sense of just kind of general hope that everything's going to turn out okay, you know. You just got to have faith that everything's going to be okay. Or, or other people kind of talk about faith as this kind of, you know, as hard as it is to believe, I just got to believe in spite of the fact that there's no reason to. <laughs> in spite of that, I don't have really any good evidence to. I just got, it's kind of like a leap in the dark. That's what faith is. And, and there may be an, an aspect of, of that to faith. But really, um, what faith is, when the Bible talks about faith, Faith is, is more than anything else, it's, it's, it's a relational thing. It's a personal thing. It's, it has everything to do with trust. It's about trust. To have faith is to trust someone, namely God. It's, it's about trusting God to do what he says he's going to do. It's about trusting God to meet you in the midst of your need. It's about trusting God to give you what you need. And I think it's important that, that this is the first thing that Paul mentions when he's talking about, you know, what is his whole ministry about for the sake of the faith of God's elect? It's important to recognize that this is the first thing he says because it's tempting for us to think that the Christian life is more about just agreeing with the right things. Um, or it's more about kind of copying certain people, like acting a certain way, you know. But the reality is that, that the Christian faith, to live as a Christian, to follow God, is primarily about walking with him and learning to trust him every moment of your life. And so this is what we need to learn to pursue and cultivate in our lives, faith trust. We need to remember that every moment in life is begging the question. God is saying, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to trust me that I, I've, I've said I love you and, and that that's true? Are you willing to trust me that, that I've forgiven you for your failure and your sin? Are you willing to trust me that I'm going to provide for exactly what you need even if that might not look the way you want it to look? Are you willing to trust me with every step of your life, with every decision of your life, in every area of your life? Are you willing to trust? Are you willing to trust? That's the question 
for us. And, and, and in order to cultivate that, I think we need to spend time reflecting on our, on our own inner life, you know, like thinking about, well, what is it that I'm trusting to, to give me what I need, to make me happy, to give me peace in the midst of my anxiety? What am I counting on to give me security? It, it, so it, to cultivate faith, it, it requires us to kind of like do some introspection. Um, it also requires us to, 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 to pray and to talk to God about everything in life. Say, God, help me. I, I need to see how, how I, I can trust you more in this area of my life, whether it's my finances or my health or my relationships, my friendships, my family. Are you trusting him? Are you cultivating a life of trust in him? So it's a, it's a life that requires faith. If we want to experience eternal life, supernatural life, we need to, we need to, to cultivate lives of faith and trust in our lives. And secondly, it's a life that is filled with truth. It's a life that's filled with truth. I mean, I did just say that some of us kind of think that the Christian life is just agreeing with the right things. And, and primarily, it's about trusting a person. But there is an aspect to the Christian life where, where it is kind of filling ourselves with what is true. Filling ourselves with what is true, right? He says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Their knowledge of the truth. The Christian life is based not on a hypothetical philosophy. That's the thing. Um, the Christian life is not based on some person's op opinion about, you know, the best way to live life. The most you know, productive way to live life, the happiest way to live life. It's, it's, not, it's not based on a, a set of rules that some people think are better rules than other people's rules. The Christian life ultimately is based on something that is true, on a person who is true, a person who really lived. True historical facts. A true person, Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, who actually had relationships with people, who spoke to people, who did miracles, who who died on a cross and rose from the dead. These are true facts. That, that, that if, if this isn't true, Paul has said in, in Corinthians, if this isn't true, then, then living as a Christian is a waste of time. The Christian life is based on truth. On, on the fact that there was a, a, a person who truly lived and walked this earth, Jesus, who reveals to us who, what God is truly like. And so to have eternal life, to experience supernatural life, we need to get to know the facts of who God is, of who Jesus is, of, of who the Spirit of God is in our lives. And, and, and it includes dealing with true facts that are hard to deal with as well. It reminds me of the, you know, the, the movie with Jack Nicholson back, I think it was in the 90s, A Few Good Men, where he's on the, he's, he's this, you know, high, high-placed uh, military guy who's on the stand, and he's like, truth, you can't handle the truth. You know, there's a lot of truth that the Bible tells us about ourselves that's hard to hear and to accept. The fact that, that, that we ourselves are maybe more responsible for our own heartache and our own dysfunction than anyone else. Like, we like to blame other people, but the truth of the matter is is that it's our own self-centeredness, our own selfishness, our own sin that is our greatest problem. 
And so when, when Paul says that, that he, his, his ministry is for the, those that they would know the truth, it's, it's knowing the truth about ourselves, that we have failed to live, that we continually fail to live as God calls us to, and yet there's also a, a greater truth that God sent his son into the world to live and to die for us so that we could be set free from our guilt and our shame. And that that is what is true. What are we called to pursue in our lives? We're called to pursue knowledge of the truth. The truth about who God is, the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about who we are. The truth of our own sin, the thing that made it necessary for Jesus to come and die for us. The truth that Jesus' death and resurrection actually accomplished something. Freedom from our guilt, freedom from our shame, freedom from the power of our sin. This is the truth of the gospel. This means that we should be living our lives working to get to know the truth of, of who God is, the truth of, of who Jesus is, the, the way, the truth, and the life, the truth of the, who the Holy Spirit is, the one who, who convicts us of sin and leads us into truth. Getting to know him through God's word, the source of all truth. And so if we want to experience supernatural life, it, it has to be a life that's filled with truth. But, but we need to be really careful here because life in Christ is not something that is purely contained in our head, in what we can fill our head with, the truth that we can fill our head with. I just read something where they, somebody was, was critiquing Presbyterian worship and practice. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, we are a Presbyterian church, but uh, you can kind of get a feel for it if you come and, and worship with us. I mean, there are some people who are somewhat expressive as we worship God, but for the most part, worship in our context as we come together, it involves standing and sitting. So we stand and sometimes we'll sing and then we'll sit and we'll listen. And, and, when, and when you're, as a Presbyterian, as a good Presbyterian, if, if you're really worshiping passionately, the way that looks is you've got a pen and a paper and you're like taking notes. And, and that can kind of lead us to think that the Christian life is all about what's up here and that's it. That as long as I know the right things, then I can experience life. As long as I agree with the, the, the perfect set of things, then I'm truly a Christian and I'm experiencing life. But the reality is, is that it's not just up here, it's also out here. Life that is truly supernatural is a life that is marked by godliness. Right? He says that here. It's a, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. True supernatural life isn't just knowing all the right answers. It's actually knowing truth that impacts and flows out in the way that we talk, in the way that we listen, in the way that we care about people, in the way that we sacrifice ourselves and our, our time and our stuff for others. It's, it's, it's a life of godliness. It's a life that reflects who God is. That, it says a life of godliness accords with faith and truth. Our godliness does not make us worthy to be loved by God, but a healthy church, a healthy Christian life is characterized by behavior that reflects God's personality, that reflects the things that he cares about. Humility, justice, Mercy, 
that reflects the, the life of the Spirit working in our lives, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a life that, that reflects the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, where we're laying down what we want, what we think we have a right to in order to care for others, in order to build them up, in order to bless them. There should absolutely be a difference in the way that a, a person who is experiencing eternal life lives and a person who isn't. And so, uh, things that we should be paying attention to and focusing on as Christians, as a church, faith, a life of faith, a life of trust, truth, filling our, our minds with truth, but not just stopping there, actually living it out and loving people the way that God loves us. But that's not all, everything. Uh, let, me, let me just come to the last thing. I started off, thinking, started off thinking about how it's easy to look around at other churches or other Christians and have self-doubt. Am I doing this right? Um, and it can be tempting for us to think that as long as I'm copying somebody else, like I, I look at somebody else and I'm like, that's, you know, that's the perfect example of a Christian. I need to live the way they're living. Um, if I can just copy them, if I can do things the way they do it, then I will really be a, a, a strong Christian. I'll really be experiencing the life that God made me to live. Um, and there is a certain truth to the fact, the Bible, the Bible reminds us at a different place, Paul reminds us at a different place, that there's, it's important to have examples for us to follow and learn to, to know what it, what it is to, to know God and things like that. But I think we can also get trapped into thinking that as long as I'm acting like that person or praying like that person or talking like that person, then I'm really living a, a full Christian life. But the thing is that, that we cannot forget this last thing that I want to just highlight is that eternal life, supernatural life, a life that, that is connected to the living God only comes from God. It only comes from God. Look again at the beginning. Number one, as Paul talks about his ministry, what is the source of his ministry? It's God. He's a servant of God. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's been sent by Jesus. So everything he says, the entire message that he brings is from Jesus. Jesus is the origin, the source of what he's bringing to them. But then as you continue on in verse one, he says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. For the sake of the faith of, God, faith of God's elect. You, know, you hear that word, God's elect. God's chosen people. And I know that, that for some of us, we hear that word elect or election, and we start getting a little nervous. We get a little jittery. Uh, because all these questions start popping up into our minds. Like, okay, well, if you're saying that uh, the, the Christians in Crete are God's elect, that God has chosen them. That means, does that mean that he's chosen some people and he hasn't chosen other people? That does not seem fair. That does not seem just. I, I don't know if that's a God that I want to follow. I, I don't know if that's a God that I want to trust, as we were talking about before, right? Now, those are tough questions to think about. Um, but I don't think that Paul writes about the faith of God's elect in order to force us to think about those questions at all. The main idea is this, if you are a part of God's church, if you are a Christian, then what is it that has made the difference? What is it that has made the difference for you? Was it your reasoning ability? 
what was it your ability to figure out all this, you know, that, that, this, that this seems true? And, you know, like, I've, I've figured it out. Is your ability to figure it out? No. Was it your potential? You know, like, you, you know, you, you were kind of, you were kind of a mess before becoming a Christian, but God saw that, that you know, that, that you had a lot of potential, so he, he picked you <laughs> to, to follow him, and, and, and because of your potential, or is it because you were more worthy, because you were trying harder? Was it even the strength of your faith? No. Ultimately, you're experiencing eternal life, supernatural life, the connection with God is purely the result of God deciding to pour out his power on you, to pour out his love upon you, that he has chosen to do that. He is elected to, to pour out his love upon you in a way that, that has opened your eyes to who he is, that has enabled you to trust him, to, to actually understand who he is and his truth. Experiencing life in a relationship with God is dependent not on you, but on him. Experiencing greater intimacy with God is the result of God's spirit, not your effort. That is what life is about. It's, 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 it's a life that, that requires us to trust him. It's a life that's f- filled with, with what he has said is true, with, with who he truly is. It's a, it's a life that, that impacts others in the way that we're living, in the way that we're speaking, in the way that we're listening, in the way that we're showing compassion to others. But it's a life that is absolutely aware, aware of the fact that, that it's not possible apart from him. It's a life that's it's very aware of the fact that, that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't know him. It's, it's, a, it's a life that is lived in absolute dependence on him, crying out to him. And that's where I want to kind of finish with us today. Um, I want us to cry out to him right now, together. And, and I, I realize, you know, some, some people are, are watching right now. Some people may be watching later um, of, of a recorded version of this. But what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to open us up in prayer and I just want us to take a minute, um, just wherever you're at, and I want you to pray. And I want, you to, I want you to ask God to pour out more of his spirit upon you, to fill your heart and your mind with more truth, to enable you to trust him. I want you to, I want you to reflect on your life and think about what, what are areas maybe in my life where I'm not trusting him and ask for his, his spirit to help you to do that. We're not going to pray about, you know, um, just kind of normal prayer requests, things that we're worried about, people that, that we're worried about. I want you to pray and ask for God to pour out more of himself upon you, upon our church, upon our nation and our world, okay? And you can do that out loud right there wherever you're watching this or silently. Uh, but let's pray together. Let me open in prayer. Father, we thank you for these words from Paul. We thank you for grabbing a hold of Paul and sending him into the world to help people to see that, that, that you invite them, that you invite us to trust you to lives of faith, to, uh, to, to see the truth 
of who you are and who you call us to be, to, 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 to have lives that are changed, that are actually living and resembling who you are. But Father, we recognize that all of this isn't possible apart from your power. And we need that now. We need that today. And, and, and we just take a moment right now to pray for it, to cry out to you for it. We pray that you would work in our lives. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that, that it's because of what Christ has done that not only are we acceptable to you, but our prayers are heard. Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would hear the prayers that we have uttered to you now. Prayers for a greater experience of your power and your presence, of your life in our lives today. We pray that we would see evidence of it a difference in our lives because of your spirit moving and working among us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to God's word, we're going to take another moment to pray and confess the, the truth of our sin. Um, the, the prayer that is printed in your order of worship is also going to be up on the screen. And uh, let's take some time to pray and confess the truth of, of our failure to, to honor God, to love him, to live as we should and to seek his mercy and grace. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for your daily mercies and steadfast love. We worship you for the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of Christ's righteousness. Hear our confession and grant us your grace. Forgive us for living too busy, too noisy, and too cluttered lives. Forgive us for being quicker to react in anger than repent in humility. Forgive us for maximizing our disappointments and minimizing your goodness. Forgive us for living more by fear than by faith. Have mercy on us for Christ's sake and your glory. Amen. Father, we now take a moment in the silence to privately confess our individual sins to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isaiah 55, six to seven says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Let's continue to worship him.